Good morning. Really? That's all we got to work with? Not good morning. All five pages. They're big, big font, don't worry. All right. Well, we're glad to be back. Thank you for that introduction and thank you for uh, allowing us to come back and share with you this morning. Um, if I could ask uh, those of you that would join us to stand, I'm going to read from God's Word to start us this morning. We're going to read from Psalm 34, verses 1 and 2. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. All right, you can have your seats. We love that the premise of this class is telling stories, telling stories especially of caregiving. And we think that's so important because the need for caregiving is often born out of brokenness. Um, and so it's against that backdrop as we tell stories of caregiving, which comes out of brokenness, that we have opportunities for the Lord's glory and faithfulness to be magnified. I think that's why the psalmist was talking about. He was saying, let's share for God's glory, of course, but also so that others can hear of his faithfulness. Um, so to this morning, we're going to get a little bit uncomfortable and practice together, um, whatever, wherever you are this week, whether this has been a season for you where... Joy is bountiful as a fruit of the Spirit, and it's something that just seems readily available, or maybe the harvest feels a little more difficult. Um, we have the wonders of God all around us to praise. So if you'll join me in one of my favorite and also least best skills, singing, um, let's sing the first verse and the chorus of my favorite hymn, How Great Thou Art. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou hope this morning that our story, um, while it might not mirror yours, um, that you will be encouraged, that in hope and faith that we can join in the, the truth that even as we talk about our struggles and the things that God has brought our family through, we are also constantly speaking of the praises of our God and the work that he's doing, and the unexpected ways that he has worked in our family, 
And through the prayers that we've heard and received and the prayers that we've offered, um, that we get to see the work and we get to see what Paul talked about. We get to see that in Ephesians he talked about that there is more that God will give us than we could ask or imagine. And that's been true for our family from the beginning. That's been what we've experienced. We got to talk last week a little bit about how three bonus kids came to our family. But if we go back just a little bit farther, um, in the design of our family, we did not get pregnant quickly. And I think with our first child, and it wasn't a long process, it wasn't hard, but I just, everything really that I had tried to that point, I had been able to be pretty successful at. So I had a plan for how we would like start our family in a timeline. And then I ended up having um, surgery in 2004 that kind of delayed things a little bit. And then um, we yeah, started trying to get pregnant and didn't right away. And so I remember being, we went on a hike to the Grand Canyon and um, seeing just the Lord's creativity and design and praying together for a baby, praying together for God to design our family. And as you heard last week, he did that in quite unexpected ways. We did get pregnant with one child within that year, but then we also had six more added to the crew over the course of just five more years after that. So here is when our first, our kids first came to live with us. Um, and this Corbin was the oldest at this point. Corbin was not quite five. He turned five just a month after um, Caleb and Ellen and Benji came to live with us. Um, so this is just in the very beginning. You can see why people looked at us like we were crazy. I mean, I don't know why. Really, it must have been the Lord's protection. But I did not look at this moment at the time and think, like, we're insane. I, I mean, I thought it was hard, but they were so little. Anyway, um, this is the orange rope we referenced last week. We had this rope, and it had little, like, marks along it so you knew your spot. They held onto the rope while we went to the park. Um, and so we didn't lose anybody. And then, yeah. And then about six years later, this is our um, adoption day. And they all, the when Christopher all got added. Special ties. And yeah. The girls had their monograms on their shirts, and, and the boys had tie clips with their new initials on them. It was really a sweet, sweet day. And then. Um, some more unexpected that we'll talk about in just a minute, but we'll go ahead and show the pictures. This is our trip to Dubai, through Dubai, on our way to Tanzania. And this is more recently. So you, this like puts the, what we're going to talk about today, go back to that other picture. Three years to me does not sound like that long, but when you look at these kids and the change from here, this is right before we left, or as we're going, and this is right when we got back. Um, and the amount of growth and change really is like, picture of the growth and change that can happen in three years and all that our family experienced. So that was is definitely unexpected how God designed our family. Um, but that wasn't the only way. That design of our family was one part of it. We also um, prayed about ministry. <coughs> so my work at the time um, was with teenagers and I had started a nonprofit, and we were working with school systems and training youth ministers um, and as that work continued to develop over a decade it became more and more clear that there was work to be done multiculturally and so trying to find ways that, that it was possible to learn more about engaging students who had different backgrounds and cultures and families and um, ways to help them build skills 
to deal with things that were that they were facing in their lives. Um, and, and so I was looking actively for those kinds of opportunities. Um, and then a third area that um, played into the story is that in, um, I think around 2013 or 14, I started an exercise ministry at our church in Fort Worth, where women just came together to exercise in whatever stage they were in on their health journey. Um, and it became a place where I met women in all stages. Um, but in particular, there was a young couple that we met through this group, um, a girl named Brooklyn Sims, and she and her husband were in the process of moving to Tanzania with a team of two other families. Um, and through that interaction, we got to know them. They invited us to be their liaisons through the Hills Church in Fort Worth, meaning we just kept in touch with them as they traveled. We prayed for them. We encouraged them. And then ultimately, in 2017, went to visit them. Um, this visit was just about a month after we had finalized our adoption, and we were going just to be an encouragement to them and to run the Kilimanjaro half marathon. It was just a fun, short, one-week trip. Um, but by 2018, we were in Dar es Salaam living. But that's another part. But while we were there visiting them, we really saw a need for, and, and I guess over the course of our relationship with them, a need for understanding better what it means to support the mission of taking the gospel into the world, whether that's supporting people who actually live cross-culturally or being able to support those who are in their home country reaching unreached, the unreached people there. Um, and we really wanted to know more about what that looks like. We wanted to be able to, from the states, um, from our cities, from our homes, from our jobs, wherever that is, um, know more about what it means to support that mission. So at the end of 2017, these three things had kind of uh, come together. Our, our family and, and the journey we had been on, the work that I was doing with teenagers, and our desire to learn more about working with missionaries and how to support them better. Um, and it came together in a job offer at an international Christian school in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Um, I was offered the role of becoming a Bible teacher. Um, which didn't seem to really quite fit my skill set. Um, I had not been a teacher. I didn't, hadn't worked in education um, directly, indirectly I had. But, um, but nonetheless, the director at the school at the time said they really wanted me to come and they would um, make sure that our family was able to be in DAR on their end. They would, they would help that happen. Um, one of the things that, that all teachers get when they're at that school is that your kids go to school there uh, tuition free and um, so that was one of the I guess tests that we had for God was um, are they going to say yes to a family that has seven kids um, and the board said yes and so that was one of the things that we said okay this is for us this is affirmation I think they this might is. have changed some of those policies <laughs> since Lewis has arrived so um, that, that was just one of those steps though that we said okay this is, this is um, an, our understanding this is a step that we want to take and this is going to allow us to learn some more things about where God's taking our family. And I, and I think it would be, we would be remiss in skipping right then saying thank you. A lot of you supported us in lots of ways, whether financially or in, through encouragement, through prayer, um, through being friends to uh, my parents. Um, in lots of ways, you supported and encouraged us. And we want you to know how valuable that was, not just for our family to be able to be there in Tanzania, but we also had an opportunity because of Ricky's role in the school to support other ministries, which is really valuable. Um, just one quick example, um, some good friends of ours who we actually knew from ACU but didn't know 
um, hadn't been in touch with over the course of 20 years, had their four, had four of their six kids enrolled at HOPAC, and they were part of completing, while we were there, um, the New Testament being published in a tribal language, which had never had the Word of God written in their language before. And part of how they were able to do that was because their kids had a place to go to school. Um, the wife was teaching some at the school and ended up being full-time, um, which gave... Um, her husband, the opportunity to travel back and forth to the village and really support those who were working, um, who this was their native language, supporting them in developing um, the word. Um, another example is um, our good friends that had a ministry called Sifa Threads that um, taught women not only to use their craft to make money, but then how to train other women to be able to also start businesses of their own. So a, a ministry that literally is flooding um, Dar es Salaam, where we lived, with women who are starting businesses and then teaching other women in their communities to start businesses, um, in part because their kids could go to Hopak um, to school. So just wanted to pause and say thank you for supporting us in that. Um, we really um, are grateful for the experience, and we know there's a lot of people that we won't even ever know their names that are impacted um, because of the school, because of HOPAC. Um, and we could end our story there, and it would still be a really cool story of God's faithfulness and of him taking us to a place that he um, showed us a way toward, and um, we would get to tell you that he did exactly what he showed us he would do through our family in Tanzania. But in our experience, um, sometimes God shows us a human-sized step to get us to some place where we wouldn't have otherwise been willing to go or able to even conceive that we should go. And so for us, teaching Bible in Tanzania as an adventure for our family was a human-sized step. We were like, oh yeah, we could do that. That makes sense. But it ended up being much more, much different than we expected. Yeah, and as we talked about last week, um, I, we, we expect that you hear themes through the stories that are getting shared and through our story. And, and so the, the next piece is that um, it was very unexpected where we actually ended up and how things actually played out. Uh, so about halfway through that first school year, the then director um, was planning to leave and had been for a while, but the, the school board was having difficulty finding a new director. Um, they had interviewed several people and um, they hadn't been able to find the right fit. Um, God had not brought the, the person that they felt was the right person for the job. Um, and so I had a conversation with the director and with um, the board chair and just said, you know, I ran a small nonprofit. I don't have education experience, but I understand the value of a director being in place and I'm willing to step in. If there's an opportunity for that, let me know. Um, and so true to school board form, no offense to anybody that's been on a board, um, but uh, they waited till the last two weeks before school was out and the other director was leaving to give me word that um, they wanted me to step in. And so we had two weeks while this guy's packing his whole family to leave the country um, to try to settle things. Uh, and, and that was just the beginning of some of the chaos that uh, played out. Um, my first email to parents at the beginning of the school year was that we were delaying school by a week because we didn't have teacher permits. Um, that was not something I was prepared for. <laughs> that was not something I knew was going to come. Uh, and I can't even get into all the details of it. But it just um, continued to unfold how God was using 
um, our family, um, and how um, w the rapport that he established, because it wasn't us. We'd been there too short of a time. I mean, there, there were people that had been to this school for you know, 15 plus years, uh, but God allowed us with our story and our family uh, to step into the situation. Um, and what we saw was that um, through uh, a, a global pandemic and through other things that were uncovered as um, I began to work as director at the school, that my training and experience um, with my master's degree in counseling, with the experience I had had with church work and ministry, um, was what the school needed at that time. Um, and that doesn't mean it was easy. Um, th this is some hindsight <laughs> conversation here, because at the time, it was, it was very difficult to understand what all was happening and why it was going on and, and why was I in this role. Um, but, um, and, and, well, and, and why we were in this role, because it was very much a team effort mm -hmm. for us to be able to accomplish things um, through the course of this, uh, of all the things that were happening. I mean, dealing with mental health issues with staff, um, dealing with physical problems, um, uh, one of our staff members getting cancer. Um, I mean, just so many things that um, just the, the timing and the way that God played it out um, was just right and was also uh, a big struggle with something that we had to deal with. And, and yet, we saw him uh, work through those circumstances to get the school to a place um, that, that we believe we left it more healthy um, than when we had gotten there. Uh, that, that we were able to uh, make some decisions and work in some ways and connect some dots that uh, made it possible to hand that off to a new director who has stepped in and is going to continue this for the purpose of providing education to Tanzanian families um, and also to missionary families and, and others um, that are in the country, a Christian, solid, uh, good academic experience uh, with caring, loving teachers uh, and, and providing that for them as they continue um, to make lots of things possible to make some, some incredible things possible in the country of Tanzania. And Ricky alluded a little bit just that that is, wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy for him professionally to take on a role he'd never done. But also our family, um, we were only a year and a half out from our adoption when we moved to Tanzania. So even though we'd been um, caring for our kids for about six years before that, there's something really different about forever. When two girls who have always been the only girl in their biological sibling group are suddenly sisters, and when five boys, smelly boys, are sharing a room and have bring all of their boyness to one, um, to a couple sets of bunk beds, it's a little bit crazy. Um, but we were, and we're still learning to navigate what it means to split mom and dad's time between seven kids without it just feeling like triage all the time. Like, who's bleeding the most? And um, you, get, you get the care. Um, and then on top of that, like, we might possibly have slightly underestimated the mental, physical, emotional energy it takes to move to another culture. Um, we had heard and we definitely... Um, had great examples who didn't shy away from telling us along the way. Even growing up, I remember Stephen Magda sharing stories. But it's really impossible to understand, like, the reduced functional capacity. If you're usually, like, a high achiever, somebody who likes to just get things done, this reduced functional capacity that you have available to you when you're also trying to absorb how to do everything new, things you've known to do 
your whole life you suddenly have to do in a new way. Um, it impacted everything, marriage, parenting, jobs, communication with those, the people that we loved in the U.S., and just our daily tasks. So we have a few like funny examples, um, but that might give you a picture of what some of this looked like at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it was um, a, a European-influenced country, so we were learning to drive on the other side of the road. Um, we knew that going in, but um, we didn't really factor in that there would also be cows and sheep crossing in front of you. Uh, in the, in, I mean, this is a city of, you know, two and a half million, three million people, um, and, you know, pedestrians all across, and motorcycles that just whip in and out of traffic. Um, I, my first little fender bender was because somebody in the right lane turned left in front of me <laughs> um, as I was trying to go across the road. And so there were just, uh, it, it made, I was actually talking to Steve a little bit this morning, it, it, the heightened sense of tension that comes with those uh, driving experiences. And I love to drive, so that was even a little bit harder for me. Um, just learning how to pay our electricity. It's called Luku, and you prepay it. And if, you, if your Luku runs out, your electricity goes off. No matter what time it is. At 12 o'clock at night, <laughs> typically. Of course it would go off at midnight. Um, and you have to call and try to talk to the person who sort of speaks English about how to get that sorted out. Um, trying to figure out going and buying water from the, the local, uh, what they call it a duca, which is just your uh, local, like, little uh, side of the road um, convenience store, basically, um, and how, how to make a transaction happen uh, with the, the money that they have. And um, their, their bills are very different. Their uh, shillings are very different. And many places you go, um, they, don't, they don't give you change because they like to hoard the um, smaller bills so they can use them themselves. And so they'll tell you they don't have change. Um, and you have so you, so you have, have to, to have change, and you start recording the small bills. Uh, just those kinds of things that you don't. I mean, when we left here, I was mostly paying with my phone for everything, you know. So now you've got to get this cash in hand. Um, and so there were so many things like that, like laundry um, and la yeah. laundry. So laundry, we obviously, I mean, had to learn to hang it to dry. Um, but what we didn't know is that water pressure wouldn't always be available. So sometimes you might be lugging um, buckets of water from the one bathroom that got the best pressure to the washing machine to fill it, or from using the garden hose that was right outside the door because there, there seemed to be pressure there for whatever reason. It's all coming from the same place. It doesn't make sense. Um, or like the power going off mid-cycle, and so you have to do it. So yes, it's a privilege to have a washing machine, but I don't know how to make it work. So <laughs> it was um, things like that that just, you think, these are easy tasks and we can figure this out, but um, yeah, it was a little bit crazy. With seven kids and the laundry that comes with seven kids. Um, and then taking all of those things and trying to explain to the people that worked in our home why we do things the way that we do. and. Which, figuring out which things we actually cared about and which things just had to let them be done a different way. And, um, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of emotional adjustments. And then bigger emotional adjustments. Um, being far away from babies being born that we loved or away for funerals of people that we couldn't imagine not getting to say goodbye to. And um, we got to see social media posts about all the events that were happening here. Um, there's just, there's a huge learning curve. You know you're gonna miss those things, but you don't, re you don't recognize the emotional learning curve that there will be to hold people close who are geographically far away and how hard it is to uh, maintain relationships. So we knew we were missing those things. That was a calculated cost, 
but we didn't recognize the energy really it would take. Um, last week we talked a little bit about the story of Nehemiah. And um, there we find, I think, a reason why naming some of these difficulties is important. Um, the enemies of Jerusalem knew that um, Jerusalem was going to be better with Nehemiah's help. And so in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 10, it says, They were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And so there are distractions and troubles and discouragement filling the chapters at even just it's 52 days, but within those 52 days, there's all kinds of stories of, of attack and discouragement and struggle, both from within and from without. And I think we'll be better at supporting each other and encouraging each other, um, taking care of each other, when we recognize and acknowledge that truth, that anytime we're promoting the welfare of others, the enemy is going to see that as an important place to attack. He's not creative. He's using the same strategies as he did with Nehemiah, to say, um, yeah, there's one up front, Vanessa. If, yeah. um, if he can discourage us, then that not only impacts us, but also those that we're trying to promote the welfare of. So as we talk about in this class about caregiving, again, whether that's um, taking care of your spouse, working together with your spouse, whether that's your children, whether that's through a ministry, it's really important to acknowledge that those you love that are caring for others are probably discouraged about it at times. Those you love that are caring for others are facing hurdles to being able to do it. Um, and that you will too, that you, as you act in obedience and care, the way that you care for others, there's going to be times that you're no less certain of um, what you're supposed to be doing and still feeling like it's maybe the worst idea that you've ever had. Potentially. I, that's what I've heard. I don't know. <laughs> um, but there's two key things we can learn from Nehemiah's response. I'm going to read a little bit from Nehemiah chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Um, in Nehemiah, we see that the work that they were doing on the wall continued even when they were under attack. So in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 16, From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. So with the weapon in one hand and a brick in the other, the work continued, even um, doing whatever role they were assigned. Um, and the miracle for us, through the craziness of Tanzania, was that we're still very certain that the reasons that we went are the reasons that God called us. To go there, and the reasons that we carried out the work um, that we were doing right smack in the middle of the place that things felt like they were falling apart, um, we stayed <laughs> true to the call that God had made for us. And despite the barriers and obstacles, despite huge changes in directions, the mission remained very clear, and we went to to uh, to see um, God prepare a level playing field for our family of nine. Our time in Tanzania, we wanted to be clearly defined um, by the ocean that we cross and in the ways that we will always be nine together. And that our adventures through Kenya and to Zanzibar, um, to beaches and to go hiking were not just fun, but they were unification so that he could receive glory, so that we are honoring him in the way that we live, that we also 
came together to learn more about teenagers and multicultural work, and especially working with teens um, in terms of trying to support them through difficult times. Um, that students have so much to contribute um, that, that we can learn from them and that we get to help them learn and process through situations that they come. And that in understanding um, that multicultural work at an international Christian school, that we're able to take that experience and bring it back here and look for ways that God can use that time there to redeem some things and restore some relationships here in Nashville even and working with teenagers from different places, different cultures, different backgrounds. And that finally that we would um, be better supporters of missions, that we have an understanding now that we couldn't have had before and that we see differently what it means to tell missionaries, we're behind you, we're with you, um, we're, we're joining you in the work that God has called you to on the ground, and we know that your work is not just about the things that you accomplish, but the, it's about the things that God is accomplishing through you and through the people that you connect with in the country and on the ground. Yeah, and I think the last part of that, I mean, yeah, the mission was clear, the for our family, for working with teenagers, and um, supporting others. But really through all that, I think the second part of Nehemiah's response that's really important is the doing it together. You know, some were um, posted guard and some were working. Some were carrying supplies while some were actually laying stone. Um, and, and it's really important to do it together. There's another story um, in Luke that I want to read, chapter 5, um, that says... Um, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I remember hearing this um, story in a sermon about the time that we were making a decision to adopt our kids. And um, I remember, this is how you know the word is alive and active and applicable today. But I remember this had nothing to do with the sermon. And I just remember spending the rest of the time thinking, I bet their hands hurt so much. I bet while they were pulling these nets in, full of miracles, sure, yeah, they're miracles. But I wonder if they got bloody. Like, I wonder if the rope, like, tore across their knuckles. Um, I, wonder how, I wonder if they could fish again, like literally after this huge haul, for how long, how many days it took for their literal hands to heal. And I think that, that comes out of where my heart was at the time. Yeah, I trust you. Yeah, I'm obedient. But my hands just really hurt right now. Um, and sometimes um, the deeper we get into obedience, the harder the work gets. I mean, it says you know, the more they pulled, the harder it got. It got to the point um, that they, in fact, needed to pull up another boat. Verse 7 says, So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Both boats. Both boats began to sink, right? Um, so not just the boat who obeyed Jesus, but also the boat who was called to help and then had the opportunity to also be filled with so many fish, it also began to sink. sink. The first boat couldn't have pulled in the miracle without the second boat, and the second boat would have missed the miracle altogether if they hadn't been asked to come and help. Um, and that's true of us. We can't do it alone. The very things that God asks us to do, he does give us ways to do it, but often that's the people around us. And 
often they are not even aware that we have that need until we just ask. Um, so it's both acknowledging that there's people around you that can't do it by themselves and also that you, as much as some of us would love to believe otherwise, you can't do it by yourself. You really can't. Um, and so even in all of our different stories, we have some common instructions, just like Jesus goes on to tell Simon Peter, um, go and make disciples, right? In Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And because Jesus is cool like this, he doesn't tell us what it'll look like in each of our stories, but he does tell us exactly how to do it in wherever we find, whatever story we find ourselves. In John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The best way to draw people to Jesus is to love them, of course, but it's also to love each other, to love the people who are working right beside us well and standing close enough to remind each other, okay, you got this. You're going to have to pull a little bit harder. Your hands are hurting, but... We have to be close enough to them to notice. You don't want to be vulnerable with every person who crosses your path, but have a few people that you're standing close enough with, both to recognize your own need and confess it, but also sometimes to recognize and admonish them in theirs. Um, it's going to get a little messy when you walk that close to people. That means the mud they step in sometimes gets splashed on you. It means when you're exhausted, sometimes you say and do things. They say and do things that require a lot of grace. Um, a lot of patience, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of redemption. Um, but the best way we can do it is standing together so that we can say, just like Nehemiah did in chapter 6, verse 9, the enemy's just trying to frighten us, thinking our hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen our hands, strengthen our collective hands. Nehemiah didn't say, this is exhausting. God, you're going to have to keep giving me strength. He said, strengthen our hands. And we, we, that's why we have to walk together, right? Because there's work to do. The enemy wants us to be weak. There's people all over our neighborhoods. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. For different reasons, have needs. Schools, workplaces, they're weary. Um, whether they're weary because they don't know the hope of Christ or they're weary because they're extending the hope of Christ to others and feel like it's to no avail. Um, we need to ask for their help. And I'm, I know I've said the same thing now several times, but it's just so cool to have gotten to be part of it to people walking with us and getting the opportunity to walk with others to help and experiencing miracles that we weren't strong enough to do on our own and sometimes experiencing miracles because somebody invited us um, to walk with them and then to all know him better by our love. Um, sometimes things like this sound really great in theory and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Yes, you should have community. I agree with that. But practically, how do you do it? I'm not sure I know. So maybe somebody else is coming later to talk about it. The practical parts of this. Actually, Carrie Smith-Brock has written some beautiful things about forming community and about offering your table to other people. Um, but what I do know is that it requires being vulnerable and sharing testimonies of our work. Not just the testimonies of what God did in his faithfulness, but testimonies of why we needed him to be faithful because we were kind of doing a sloppy job of it on our own. Um, and that's what I love about Nehemiah in chapter 3. There's lots of different people, perfume makers and goldsmith 
district rulers and temple servants. If you don't know the disparity between those two groups of people that were working side by side, it makes the picture even more more um, starch, I guess, starch. Um, their sons and daughters, all working on one hard thing, but also working on just what was right in front of them, saying over and over again in chapter 3 of Nehemiah, next to him, next to him, so-and-so had their task, and then next to him, so-and-so had their task, and next to him, so-and-so had their task. And that's how we see the redemption and restoration of Jerusalem come to be. Um, all possible because of one God's power to use one man's obedience and him gathering other people next to him to do one big work. Um, but they didn't just work together. They faced an enemy together, enemies who fed those lies of doubt and discouragement. Um, in another post I wrote the day right before our adoption, I said, I want to acknowledge this is not the miracle we prayed for, at least not the one we tried to define. Because of that, doubt, discouragement, even anger, have threatened our hope and obedience. We struggled often to be obedient one more time, to choose hope one more day. And it was the stories you shared of your own hard things that helped us. Next to us hasn't just meant provision. It's meant knowing that our story isn't the only one. You're working too. Deciding to take difficult steps of obedience, claiming the power of God to fight for your families, your marriages, your loved ones trapped in addiction, we believe in the one God who is mighty to save, and you helped us remember to dwell in his power. Thank you for being our next to them. Amen. Yes. Um, yeah. The same was true for us in Tanzania. There are people all over the world in our community doing the work that was right in front of them, some of them without even knowing the Lord yet. Um, and working, getting to work alongside us and learning about their culture and learning about their difficult things. Um, huh. So we know, it's a, we know it's a serious battle. I'm going to just keep going because I could get caught up there talking about those good people. Um, struggling for health, maybe struggling for health, maybe struggling with faith, maybe struggling with um, one of our kids. There's lots of struggles. But again, I just want to ask one more time, how, who can you say that to? How can I help you? Um, or, I need help. Who do you need to confess something to? Who do you need to um, confess a Nineveh to, to say, there's something I have felt called to that I have not been obedient to do, whether big or small? Just pick somebody. Just pick one person. Maybe your spouse, maybe your child, maybe um, a neighbor, maybe one person in accountability. Um, and just tell somebody. So I think if anything... That's what we would want you to hear today. Um, yeah, let's walk together. You've grown up real well. <laughs> <laughs> and, well. And a large part because of all the people that walked beside us here. So thank you. Okay, you want to keep me to keep going? Okay, so he's pointing at me to finish. But, um, so just like we said in Psalm 34 at the beginning, may all who are helpless take heart. Um, there are lots of things about Tanzania that were really different. Um, the ways that we spoke, the ways that we ate sometimes, the places we went, the people we were around. Um, our days just were really different. And now, coming back to Nashville, it's been 25 years since I've lived here. Um, again, things are really different. And learning new ways to do things. Um, 
And then, but in the midst of that change, the consistency is what's really important. God's faithfulness is so consistent. Um, some days, honestly, it feels harder to find it. Um, but his consi- he has been consistent. Um, and he con- continues to prove himself in that way. Um, so out of that, we have only one response, Thanksgiving, just like we sang at the beginning. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou because of the gifts he's given us in Tanzania. We sing it in Swahili. Roho yangu naikuimbie jinsi wewe ulivyomku Roho yangu naikuimbie jinsi wewe Our great Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your sovereignty, for what you can see um, ahead of us, but that you still choose to stand right beside us while looking back in ways to redeem what we've left behind us. We know that you are good and faithful, and we ask for forgiveness um, when we choose to look at our bloody hands instead of the ways that you provide balm for them. Help us to take steps of obedience this week, whether in relationship with others or in the things that you've asked us to do or in submitting um, to others in the ways that they are guiding us and showing us your ways. Thank you, Lord, for new mercies of each day, and thank you for the gifts that you've given us that stretch generations like we find in this room. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and for the gifts that you gave us in him, for the hope that he provides Um, that is indeed eternal and also is good for today. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.